Boone with Dennis Fithian on Detroit Sports, ready to get things underway on this Saturday. Podcast number 18. It's another All-Star Saturday, and that's where I reach out to people that I've met over the years doing radio, and we do this talk show style, and we're going to get it underway right now as uh, we go to the phones and bring in Dave in Ann Arbor, who joins us uh, first up. Dave, how are you? Good afternoon, Dennis. Uh, even though I'm actually in Phoenix, Arizona. Well, you know what? I wondered, and for all of those years that I, I, I knew you when I, I worked in Ann Arbor, and then, you know, sometimes there in Detroit, I would hear from you. I, I knew that you were, uh, you know, halftime Ann Arbor halftime Phoenix, but, uh, you know, the pandemic can, you know, throw a monkey wrench in that, huh? Well, it's not just the pandemic. Uh, it's really a, a long story that uh, maybe we'll get into another time uh, when there's more time to tell the story, but I'm, I'm kind of stuck out here, you could say, in Arizona, uh, which some people would say, hey, what, what's wrong with that? And certainly in the winter, there's nothing at all wrong with that. No. But, uh, in the summertime, it's a little different story. No, I know my mom over the last three or four years had been going down. I guess the, I, I don't know if they call the people that do the same thing in Arizona snowbirds. I, I mean, it applies. Yep. You're, you're getting away from the, you know, the cold weather. And she would go down and stay with her brother. And then, you know, this time, you know, she would be back over the last few years. She was coming back in April. And uh, that just didn't happen. So she's still down in St. Augustine and. I don't know. I'm thinking about this summer at some point getting an RV and driving down there and getting her to, to bring her back. So I, it's it's still up in the air. But, yeah, it's, life's pretty complicated when you, you got people uh, and you, you're trying to get them back, uh, you know, safe. Oh, I'm, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And well, of course. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was well, just going to say Florida, like Arizona, is not a great place to be in the summertime. No, it's kind of like you stay indoors and just crank up that air conditioner probably, right? You got it all the time <laughs> in the car, in the house, any office building you go into, no doubt. Yeah, well, the question I'm going to ask everybody this hour, you're going to get uh, the first crack at it. I'm sure you're still paying close attention to Detroit sports and, and Michigan sports. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm asking all of the guests today that uh, why Michigan can't beat Ohio State. I, what do you say? I'm sure people ask you, you know, that question, knowing your, you know, your, yep. your halftime or sometimes uh, residency in Ann Arbor. Sure. I get asked that a lot. And I thought about it a lot. Dennis, I've been a Michigan fan for over 50 years. Uh, I was at the 1969 Michigan, Ohio state game. I ran on the field in Columbus in 76 after the 22 to nothing Michigan victory been to a bunch of Rose Bowls, been to every Final Four Michigan basketball has been to since 1976. Um, but one thing you know I'm not is a homer. I like to look at it objectively and look at the truth. And the thing about it is this. Uh, I was in favor of Jim Harbaugh coming to Michigan. I even wanted him to get the job the time before when they hired Brady Hoke. Uh but let's look at what he's done or not done in five years. And the fact is, he's won a lot of games. He's consistently beat the bad teams and the mediocre teams. And, and he's beaten a few good teams at home, but has not done well on the road. 
except against the really bad teams. And certainly hasn't done anything in the big games. When you look at the fact that he's 0-5 against Ohio State, I believe 1-4 and in bowl games. And these Ohio State games, except for one that I can remember, really haven't been close. Uh, the last two years, they've given up over 100 points to Ohio State. Is that right, Dennis? Well, it was uh, 62 two years ago, so yeah, and it wasn't yeah. very close last year. Yeah, it was. They've been routes, no doubt about that, no doubt. And the you're right, one game in the Harbaugh era was JT Barrett. It was close, where it, yeah. it, you you could have they could have called him short. And you know, being on the road, I mean, I understood to your point about being a homer. I it, it seemed like um, I don't know, 99 percent of the Michigan fans were completely up in arms, including Harbaugh afterwards, who was just you know incensed. I get it. I get it from the you know fans who wanted it so much and the coach, but man, I, you got to look at that and say it could have gone either way. Yeah, I'm I'm still not sure if he was short or not. Uh, it was so close, you know. A lot of people are just so convinced, and part of that is because of their heart. Um, there were certainly some other calls in that game that I think really went against Michigan. I remember a pass interference not called late in the game that should have been called that could have been crucial. So certainly Michigan could have won that game, probably should have won that game. Um, they've also won a few that, uh, that they could have or should have lost in the Harbaugh era. And, you know, a lot of the people who continue to prop him up and say he's doing such a great job, it almost seems like their main argument is that he's got a much better record than Brady Hoke and Rich Rodriguez. Um, and you know, obviously he's got a way better, way better record than Rich Rodriguez. That's not even close. Um, but Brady Hoke, even though he had a bad last one and a half years out of the four years he was here, and that distorts his record, um, he actually did some decent things that Harbaugh hasn't been able to do, such as at least beat Ohio State one time, uh, at least win a major bowl game one time, Sugar Bowl. Um, it certainly also gave Ohio State some close games when they didn't win, including the game they lost by one point. You remember when they were like a 16, 17-point underdog, and they lost by one when they went for two after the last touchdown. Yeah, very snowy day in Ann Arbor. I do remember that one. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know, for me, for Harbaugh, I I hear you. It's the one thing because it's been such a, a dominating performance by Ohio State here in the 21st century but if you do just go to to Harbaugh he has done a pretty good job except when you you look at how he's done against Ohio State bad job and then how he's done uh, on the road against um you know top opponents I mean those are two things that you know if if in the bowl games and the bowl games yeah yeah the bowl games have been an embarrassment there's no doubt about that so those are three things and you know the number one reason you know that I look at why if why I can say all the way back to, you know, the stretch in the early 2000s has happened and with Harbaugh is just the the dominating play at the most important position, the, the quarterbacks in almost every game, every three or four years, you look at what Ohio State's bringing to the table and then you look at Michigan and it, it really is night and day, the kind of players that they're putting uh, out there and the kind of performance that are they're getting from them. The guys that go on to the pros or not, man, uh, you know, JT Barrett, we talked about him already. 
uh, a very good college player. Uh, you know, you get lost if you're talking about, well, are you putting him in the pros or not? I mean, he was awesome in college, but all the way back to, I think, really Troy Smith, you just keep going down the list. Even when they go to their sure. their third string guys, you know, are coming up and, and performing in the big games. Yeah, no doubt. Cardell Jones, mm-hmm. remember, was third string. And, um, yeah, I mean, they, they have had great quarterback play. Uh, and one way to look at it, as you know, John Cooper had such a great overall record, but he was like 2-10-1 against Michigan. And then as soon as he left and Trussell took over, and then obviously Urban Meyer and now Ryan Day, um, Ohio State's been completely dominant against Michigan. Um, Lloyd Carr was very dominant against Ohio State the first part of his career, but not at the end. And then, of course, you know, Rich Rod didn't beat him at all, and Brady Hope beat him once, and Harbaugh hasn't beat him in five years. And uh, part of the thing that's puzzling to me is that Don Brown, the defensive coordinator, seems to get a free pass. There's been a lot more scrutiny on the offensive coaches, some of whom have paid with their jobs, even though their offense has been pretty good in most of these Ohio State games. The defense has been totally ridiculous, and and yet Don Brown somehow is safe. And uh, I'm very puzzled by that. Well, I would put Don Brown on this list up pretty high. It's just, you know, if you're coming down to looking at the games and and how his defenses have performed, you know, really the last two years have been the the most crushing because if you go two years ago, yeah, I wasn't picking Michigan to win that game, but as the season went along and you're watching Ohio State, like Purdue's throwing up 50 points on them, like their defense just looks like, man, Michigan, and, and you had to, even if, you know, even if you, you know, had no loyalties on either side, and you were just looking at the game. You said, man, Michigan's going to win this game. Michigan was a favorite in that game. They and then, yeah. yeah, how big of a favorite were you going to say? Like six, seven points, well, weren't they? they no, well, I think it was at least four and a half, yeah. something like that. But but I, I thought it should have been a lot more. I actually thought Michigan was going to win that game easily. I really didn't think it'd be close. And boy, I guess I was right. It wasn't close. <laughs> no, you weren't. And then, <laughs> the, the crazy thing last year was that I was all off season. I'm like, well, you know, this has got to be the year. You know, they don't have Urban Meyer anymore, and you know, Ryan Day. Let's see. You know, they're 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 putting him in there. But man, Urban, you know, his his record speaks for itself. You can go off the field or whatever else. Just talking about his coaching and his performance against Michigan. I was like, you know, if college football is anything, it's about the coach and it's about the quarterback. But so they're they're getting rid of Urban Meyer. Michigan, this time around, they have a returning quarterback. And, you know, Fields, the report, you know, I watched their little spring game that they had, and I'm like, you know, I wasn't wild thinking, oh, man, this guy is just going to be an All-American or something. So they had that going for them, plus they're at home. And then one thing they also had going for them that they really hadn't had in, I don't know, 15 years, what looked like a really good offensive line. So all of the signs in the offseason, I kept, you know, repeating all of those. Like, yeah, you know what, what am I going to do? I I really think Michigan – you know, it's now where it kind of felt like now or never. And then two games into the season, it was, you know, I knew I couldn't have been more wrong. Yeah, I agree. Because when you looked at it going in, you thought, hey, if they're not going to do it now, when are they going to do it? You've got Urban Meyer leaving, got the quarterback leaving for Ohio State. Michigan's got the quarterback coming back, as well as so many other really good players. And you'd think, hey, the game's in Ann Arbor. 
they've got to eventually beat them. And then all of a sudden, you see Michigan go up to Wisconsin and just totally look terrible. Uh, weren't they down 38 to nothing? I think, it was, in that it game? was over at halftime. They were getting blown out at Penn State, too, yeah. at halftime. Yeah, but, right. They made a nice comeback at Penn State and actually could have won that game. Uh, but they didn't. Oh. And uh, and then they go into the Ohio State game, and it just becomes the typical pinball machine where Ohio State can't stop scoring. And, uh, you know, I go all the way back, of course, to I think you do too, to the Bo Schembechler era. And ironically, back then, my criticism of the defense under Bo, no matter who the defensive coordinator was, was that they tended to play almost a prevent defense. And uh, now with Don Brown, it's completely 180 degrees the opposite where they've done too much, you know, too much blitzing, too much man-to-man. And, uh, you know, they're not able to do the job against the really, really good teams. Sure, they can dominate against the mediocre teams, but uh, they're not doing the job against the really good teams, especially the house team. No way. They certainly aren't adjusting in those games. I know that. Dave, I got to ask you. I know by following you online over the years that you've become, you know, quite the, uh, you know, the the trivia expert, and even you know, going around the country and and uh, and, and getting involved in in some matches. Uh, and and so with that, I was just doing some reading today, and I came across a trivia question for you that I want to just throw you out of the blue and see if you're going to be able to answer oh, okay. it. Okay. All right. And for this, I'm going to to baseball, right? Because. Uh, they, they might have a, an 82-game season if they can get past this uh, impasse that they have with the money and everything. But that's like, you know, you're talking about a, 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 a subject for another day. But it, it got down where they were talking about what if somebody hits 400. And we know Ted Williams was the last guy to hit 400 in, uh, in 1941. And that was a 154-game season. So that's a huge setup for this trivia question for you. You right? Ready? Yep. I sure. want to know. So that was a 154-game season. So, you know, what year did MLB go to 162 games? That is your final Saturday All-Star trivia question. Okay. That would be very early 60s. I'm going to say 162 games came with expansion and I'm going to say 1961. You are correct. And I, I, you know what? Now I didn't realize it when I was putting that trivia question together. Wasn't that the same year that, that Maris? Yeah. Went, and so he had the luxury of 162 games. So that was kind of the, the controversy there, right? Well, that's a great point, Dennis. And as you remember, uh, the commissioner of baseball at the time, Ford Frick, had been a friend of Babe Ruth. And so he actually put an asterisk right. on Roger Maris's feet because, you know, Maris hit his last home run on the last day of the year. And um, at the end of 154 games, he he had less home runs than, than Babe Ruth. Um, however, I think somebody has pointed out that at the end of the season, Maris actually had either less at-bats and or less plate appearances for the season mm. than Babe Ruth did. Very nice trivia. Well, hey, Dave, uh, looks yeah. like we could have talked, uh, you know, all hour here. So you're, but here's the yeah, thing. Wait. You're an all-star yeah. and in the future, you know, you're going to have uh, another opportunity, hopefully to, to come back on here in the spring and summer and do it again. 
Oh, that'd be great, Dennis. And uh, I'm glad that you've adapted and uh, kind of reinvented yourself here. And uh, I love podcasts anyway. Uh, my job involves driving around all the time, and I'm listening to a lot of different podcasts. And uh, it's great to be able to hear you. And of course, last week, Dan from Pinkney, my old comrade, was on there. It's great that he's in good health and able to hear him. And I'm looking forward to hearing more of your shows. Well, Dave, well, if you're listening to this one when you're driving around, you're going to recognize the other guests that are coming up straight ahead. So I'll just leave that for a tease for you when you jump in there. Thanks for your time. Have a great day. You too, Dennis. Take care. See ya. There he is, Dave in Ann Arbor. It's awesome. I knew he would be. I was like, uh, you know, can Dave fill up five minutes? Yes. Can he fill up ten? Yeah. Dave could probably fill up the whole hour. And, you know, if I knew... If I told Dave who was coming up next, he would uh, have given him a shout-out. And we are going to stay in Ann Arbor here, and we're going to go to Jamil. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Jamil in Ann Arbor. It is, uh, it's great to hear your voice. You know, I heard it for so many years, and then I've been just, uh, you, you still have the same tone online, but it's, it's just not the same, you know, reading your, your direct messages than actually getting a chance to talk with you. Well, during this sports Armageddon, I'm, uh, I'm missing all that. Those days where we could, you know, we could chop it up over things like that. I'm really super missing baseball, and I feel terrible for the high school, college athletes that would have been you know, performing at this time and, and, and that, and missing my pro sports on TV. I mean, it's a, it's a wasteland on TV. I really miss, I sat down and watched, uh, uh Bundesliga soccer the other day, just to <laughs> you know, see some competition. So, well, I know you didn't turn on the NASCAR. I mean, if it gets to that point, you're turning on NASCAR. That's when we really know things have changed, right? Yeah, you know it's it's end times. <laughs> if I'm, I'm looking, I'm watching some NASCAR, but yeah. uh, you know, just not when opening day came and went. You know, that's when it really. You know, I kind of you know understood with the uh, NCAA and everything, but not having you know baseball. That's you know where we we turn the radio on. You know, we want to hear you know that first game of the season or the excitement of opening day and we missed all that that's just unbelievable yeah well some things have stayed the same with baseball because here they are as everybody like you know you've just said well about you know missing the games and everything and they're like okay everything's ready people are you know making some plans things are slowly getting back and they got an 82 game schedule a lot of things that you could talk about but wait the players are you know uh you know complaining and uh, they're at an impasse about money, and it's like, uh, okay, you guys are going to get in real trouble if you can't come to uh, together on this because you know what? the the If they are able to get things going, the NBA and NHL will, and if baseball is not out there, man, the, people will put them in the rearview mirror quickly. Exactly, because it's, uh, it's too, many other, too many other things. It's not like 60 years ago. It was baseball, boxing, and horse racing. You know, you got you got real competition out there for the eyeballs. Yeah, and you got uh, the ability to to go and and watch all of these you know different cable shows and Netflix and Amazon. You know, it just goes on and on and on. And you know, one thing over these last two months, 
you know, I haven't watched like any TV. It's and my habits have, you know, completely changed. And where to your point, like if it was 10 years ago, 15 years ago, for sure, like baseball was it, you know, so, you know, they had me because they were the only game in town. And so better be pretty careful. I'm sure they're going to heed our warnings here and, and make sure it happens. And, but man, they, uh, they better come around on that. We'd be deep in, in playoff mode and, and, uh, rehashing spring football. Yeah, well, the Tigers would be out of it, you know, already if they played a, a real 162-game uh, slate. They were last year. But you know what? Two years ago, they you know, they had lost 98 games three years ago, and then two years ago it was 98 again. But I do remember they made it all the way to Father's Day, June 17th, and they were still relevant. Not that they were going to win anything, but they still were. You're like, hey, you know, it's a pretty good team, hovering around 500. A chance to, if they went and you know got above 500, there would have been a real – yeah, uh, yeah, light shined on them. And then you know they didn't. Right around June seventeenth, that's when they went into the tailspin. But that's a you know that was a a, a pretty good stretch for a for a bad team to stay relevant. So I'm looking towards around the fourth of July before we see something. So as far as these uh, as far as baseball, but um, in NBA, they're kind of seems to seem like they're going to move forward. So. Yeah. yeah, I was looking at the NBA today. Like, um, so the the if they figure out, they don't need to have the. I know they want to fulfill their their TV contracts and everything, but with the Pistons with 16 games to go, nobody wants to see the Pistons or the Knicks or so the teams that are out of it. Uh, they they should just uh, let them stay home, and then mm-hmm. you know the proposal of sending the Eastern Conference teams, you know the eight teams to Orlando to play and, and put them in a bubble or it being like an Olympic village or whatever else, that sounds feasible. Sending the other half to Vegas and putting them in a, a the, the Western conference at Vegas. You know, if you watch summer league, I've watched summer league, uh, you know, the past few years when they're down playing in Orlando, they're playing at a, it looks like a, you know, an LA fitness gym. Like there's, there's nobody, there's no stands. Right. Like they're just sitting there on the sideline. It's, you know, the, the games are pretty good. You do miss that. You know, you're just looking at a brick wall there when you know, would be looking at, you know, 20,000 20, fans. But uh, it can happen. And, 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 and Silver, out of all the commissioners and out of all the leagues, man, they have the most harmony between, you know, players and, and owners and commissioners there. So, uh, commissioner. Right. So, uh, so I, I, I would put yeah. my money on them. Yeah, I'm looking for the next season to probably start Christmas. Yeah, and you know what? There was uh, there had been some talk, at least uh, some proposal about they should do that anyways. Like, if they could start it at Christmas. I mean, football. They understand people are watching football, and really, I mean, what's the old saying that the NBA doesn't start till Christmas anyways, right? Christmas anyway, exactly. So you know that they'll have their. Uh, I, I look at guys that have been hurt, you know, and and this is their chance. Even like Charles Matthews from Michigan here's his chance you know he's going he's got all this extra time to uh get his get his act together you know maybe get a look from somebody but uh that um that preseason that spring league what what we call the uh summer league that's going to be really intense this year because a lot of guys they didn't get their shot to shine during the tournament yeah no doubt guy like uh Obi Toppin, you know, from exactly. I was mm-hmm. looking forward mm-hmm. to a lot of those other guys wouldn't have made the tournament, but or were playing overseas. But Toppin was the one that yeah. you know you really missed out on not getting to see in the tournament. Right. 
You know who else did we didn't get to see in the tournament, Jamil? Who was that? Duke. We didn't get a chance to see Duke. And for people that don't know about your background, like there's three things. Like you'd say, well, what's what's Jamil's profile? Say, well, you know, NASCAR, not the biggest fan. Uh, recruiting, he wasn't really in on the day-to-day recruiting of high school players, understood it and everything. And then Duke, not a fan of Duke. And, and two weeks ago, or yeah. maybe it's a month ago now, when, when all of these, uh, I don't know, at least three lawsuits and a counter-lawsuit against Zion Williamson, were uh you know were, were put out there i i thought of you and you know like i don't know anybody that cares if zion williamson or his family was getting money you know he deserves it but will mike shashevsky come out of it and get dinged at all that's the thing that i'm looking at and i think with most people can duke who is uh is switch gears and they're in right in there with kalapari and right in there with with kansas and Bill Self trying to get these one and dones, and they're, and they're doing it, and yet it's still Duke, pristine Duke. Will they get hit at all? Uh, I think Duke the- is. I think Duke is like Notre Dame football. They're bulletproof. I can't <laughs> see. Uh, I I just can't see uh, Coach K going down over that. Maybe anywhere else would get a lot more scrutiny, but no, I, I don't see it. I agree because they're the favorite. They're the NC two A's favorite sons. They uh, are. I mean, they're they're ready for you know Coach K to take over as the commissioner, or you know he'll do anything. They're not going to take his legacy, but you know, and plus whether it's next year or the following year, where the players can get you know money for their likeness, it's kind of like you know they uh, they're getting caught potentially here if there's a at the right time. You know what I mean? Cause people are going to be like, who cares if he got $40,000 uh, guys are getting 40,000 let's grandfather this one in or whatever the thing would be like, forget it. Right. Well, good man. Well, I've been, I've been with you since your days as an intern and it, it is good to hear you still chopping it up, man. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. Like I'm asking everybody, uh, all the guests today, one question, uh, and I'd be interested to hear your answer. Why can't Michigan beat Ohio state? We can't recruit on that. We can't recruit on that level, and uh, that's a state that is a hotbed for football. And with the demise of the Big Three statewide, because Detroit, Flint, Saginaw, out the western part, you know, you had strong middle class families, and uh, we we lost our high our high school base. You know, Detroit public schools is not dominant in Flint or they're not dominant in basketball anymore and it's, it's football too you look how Michigan and Michigan State which always they just had that feeder from Flint and Detroit in there and they always got these guys that really cared about the rivalry and uh, they lost that so I don't know if we'll see it again yeah, well, and some of the uh, key players over the years when Michigan was able to compete, whether it was Desmond or Charles Woodson or Rob Lytle, he'd probably name another half dozen, mm-hmm. those guys were all from Ohio. Right, yeah, that's a, bit, a lot of the same. Moeller High was a, was a good to Michigan. Uh, they had spots in Texas that were hot, hot bids for Michigan as far as getting guys up here to Ann Arbor, but it, it's not like it was, but Ohio State, those kids, they grow up and they, and they want to they want to uh, wear that scarlet and gray. And we don't seem to have that like they do. So. Well, you're right about that. Well, hey, Jamil, it's great yeah. to hear your voice. Uh, you're an all-star. You always were an all-star. Now you're a, a Saturday all-star. Thanks for your time, uh-huh. and maybe we could do it again when they're actually playing baseball. 
All right. It'd be a pleasure. Take All it right. easy, Dan. You too. Thanks. There he is, Jamil in Ann Arbor. I went to a baseball game. I only went to one minor league baseball game in my life, and it was a Toledo Mudhead game, and the Mudhens were, were playing the, the Braves affiliate and it was not at Fifth Third Bank, where that I hear it's just a, a beautiful facility down there. It was at the uh, the old Mud Hens facility. There's gigantic place. I can remember that, but I don't remember much about that game except that the the Braves were featuring a reliever named John Rocker, and Rocker a month or so before had his comments in Sports Illustrated about how he didn't want to. Drive the train, the, the 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 subway with I don't, I don't remember I don't have the exact uh, comments in front of me, but uh, they were not well received by America. But Rocker was came out of the bullpen in that game, and I can remember it fondly for sure. My one trip to a Triple A stadium or a minor and to see minor league baseball, and it was to see the Mudheads take on John Rocker. And the Braves. Well, we'll continue on here on this uh, All-Star Saturday. Those that are listening thinking, uh, hey, I could be an All-Star. Well, you should uh, you should get at me, whether it's uh, on Twitter, at Dennis Fithian. Uh, also, the podcast page there, Good Afternoon 21. I follow everybody back, and you could DM me, and we can set it up, or on Facebook, get involved there as well. And I know these are these are tough acts to follow, man. These guys uh, know their stuff. That's why they're all stars. And let's go to our next all star. Here we go. Got to get got to get the producer on the ball here. So we've got the the Hello. phone ringing. Let's go to uh, David in Birmingham. Is that right? That is correct. Hey, Dana. David in Birmingham, who is. Uh, you know, a, a fantastic guy who I have also met in person. I had the uh, the privilege of, of meeting him. Do you remember where that was at, David? I want to say that was about 15 years ago at the Detroit Institute of Art. It was. There was yeah, there was a fundraiser. And I remember you on the dance floor. And uh, we, were, we were moving about, and uh, you were having a good old time. And, yeah, I absolutely remember that. Yeah, that was one of the best parties that I've ever been to. So that was a, a very, very memorable. It was great. And uh, I talked with you, big sports fan. And then, you know, a couple times after that, you know, every other month or so or, or three, you'd be driving down to a game or something. And then, you know, you'd come on and you know, we would chop it up a little bit. We would chop it up, no doubt. Can you imagine a party, a uh, dance party like that party at the DIA uh, nowadays? No, I don't know how those things are going to work. You know, I, I was just talking uh, with our, our our previous uh, guest about just how things you know you you think about, and he was saying how he felt bad for you know college uh, players and even high school players, and yeah, you just start thinking about dancing or or going to a you know any kind of bar, and if you're gonna if they're gonna be plexiglass or you're really gonna have to stay six feet away from people, just that that's a it's just so bizarre to think about how if how long that's going to have to be in place, or if that's going to be something new and continue on, you know, past this summer. I think you're right. I think uh, we don't 
really know because everything is happening in a real time and uh, policy and um, and and the form that our society is going to take is evolving, you know, on a day-to-day basis. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I didn't mean to take you back to that party, but um, I I was uh, watching something about the high five, the evolution of the high five yesterday, mm. and they were talking about Dusty Baker uh, hit a home run. This is uh, mid to late seventies, coming back to the dugout, and. Um, and I forgot the name of the player that he came uh, up to, and their exuberance at that moment resulted in a in a, in a high slap of the hands. And uh, they think that it might have um, started back then. And the fact that the high five is going to go away. Yeah, I don't. You know what? It might. Let's just say baseball actually comes to their senses and they get together and they have an eighty-two game schedule and it, and it happens on Independence Day and. Now, telling players that they can't spit or high five and or you know chew gum or to, you know that's all sounds like a good idea. But I mean, I just can't see them. What are they going to do? They're going to hit a walk off home run and everybody's going to stay away. I just, I don't think that's going to happen. Can you put see them putting plastic gloves over their batting gloves? No, I mean I can see a lot of uh, like you know guys that do some because you know you know they'll get creative and. They'll get their, you know, toe taps or their, their feet or, you know, elbows and all that. But still, I mean, there's going to be some fist pumps. There's going to be some, there's going to be some high fives. And, or right. if you can't do that, then you really can't have the games. And I think you can do some of that. And I think you can, you can say, Hey, let's try to refrain. Let's, let's see if we can, but it's like me, David. I, I know every time I hear an expert, really, if I hear anybody talking about what to do and what not to do, almost every person will say at some point, you know, wash your hands and, and don't touch your face, which sounds like great advice, which I follow. But, you know, here I am, like my nose itches. I'm trying not to, you know, touch my face. And I still do once in a while. I'm trying not to do it as much. But, man, we're, we're so programmed in, in different Absolutely. ways. It's going to be hard not to do. Can you see the announcers in the, whatever form sports uh, take? Can you see the announcers starting to break down uh, player interactions? <laughs> they have the slow mo cam. Let's see how these players uh, celebrate this moment. Uh, there's the there's a uh, a leg wrap around. There's a they they've taken the elbow bump to a new form where <laughs> or the the celebrations in the end zone, right? Well, so, I think there's going to be a lot crazy. of that. You know, I, I saw the one proposal where you know they're going to have you know usually you have a 25 man roster. They may expand that to 30, where then they'll have five of the players on certain game days be scratches, like in hockey. And some of those players would still be at the, the ballpark, but like maybe even in the bullpen, they would put them in the stands, you know, to have that, that social distancing. And I'm sure, like, if, you know, the, the game at, at some point, you know, baseball, you get three hours to fill. Hey, here's a, you know, so and so up in the, there's Cameron Maben, you know, sitting six feet away uh, up in the stands. <laughs> You know, with uh, with Romine, look what they're doing. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of that. That's for sure. Right, that's going to be interesting. I think I think baseball has an opportunity to be reintroduced to younger populations. I think baseball um, could be king if they get their act together and figure out the money and the games and how they're going <clears> to <throat> what form baseball is actually going to take once they get past the money portion. Um, that people are yearning to have some semblance of normalcy 
and base, people are going to start watching baseball, people who didn't watch baseball previously, and potentially younger generations who have really never embraced baseball. So I think if they get their act together, this could be an important moment for that particular sport, which seems to be dying. Well, amazing, Dave, because, you know, at, at one point I completely agree with you on that. These guys could be kings or they could also cut their hamstrings and this could be the downward spiral where they really do lose relevancy, like they're already having some issues that way. And if during a pandemic when they could have the stage to themselves and be kings, if they you know chop their own legs out, man, that would be sad, of course. Sad for everybody, but man, sometimes you know you you get you just can't get out of your way, uh, get out of your own way when it comes to money. This is true. Uh, they could they could uh, signal um, a return to prominence, or it could signal the death knell, really, of baseball. Because um, if families aren't going to the games, if families are not embracing this, uh, young people are not going to embrace it. They in this world where anybody can at the touch of their finger can have entertainment thrust into their face. Uh, baseball has a different set of timing. Um, and I don't think that people are used to sitting back and relaxing and finding that amount of calm in between the plays because they're used to action and action and action especially if you're in the video games and, um, and excitement in your face, this is a little bit, this is a lot of bit different type of excitement in your face. So hopefully baseball gets it together and they realize that this is a, an opportunity really to save the sport. Yeah, well, I was too young in the 81 strike, but I remember it because the Sports Illustrated I like would get Sports Illustrated probably when I was 11 years old was the first time or 10 or 11 years old in, the, in that baseball mm-hmm. strike. And, and the the SI came out on my birthday, June 22nd, and I remember I just had a mitt, you know, baseball strike. So it was a huge thing. That was the first, you know, memory of a, of a strike. But certainly the one in 94 when it happened and ended up canceling the World Series I just recall my emotions there and saying things like, you know what, I'm never going back to baseball. You know, screw these guys. Uh, the, the thing to remember there for me is that all of those things that I said, I ultimately did come back to baseball. But there was a part, even since 94, previous to 94, it would be like baseball. It was so um, – I put it on such a pedestal where I wanted to know every single thing of the history of the game. I wanted to know – and I just – everything – that I could possibly uh, read and, and know about the history of the game. And for, for 10 years, I just threw that out the window. Interesting. And, Interesting. But it did, it did come back. But I think this time around, to your point, there's so many different things that you can go to. And for the last two months, we've been in practice of not having our, our normal lives, that if they ended up uh, – not being able to come together here, I think it could be a, a death blow to the sport. Yeah, that's an interesting, you, you brought up a couple of interesting uh, ideas. One, as a topic, um, when you do have a call-in format, um, what's the worst sport moment that you can remember happening, or the best, on your birthday? Ooh. And for you, you, you have that uh, baseball strike 
imprinted in your DNA. On my birthday, uh, the Lions were, um, July 27th, the Lions were coming uh, into training camp and um, and Barry faxed in his retirement. And I, right, I remember the morning of my birthday, gorgeous day. August July 27th? Day. Oh, July, okay. July 27th. Oh, July 27th. And, uh, yeah. July 27th, yeah. Um, the, the thing about baseball was that because of baseball cards and because of the newspaper, as young people, we could just study the the history of the player we could the statistics i just remember the way that it was structured and and looking at the home run leaders and the rbi leaders and the, and all the different pieces and the elements that made up baseball so outside of the game there was a game of the encyclopedia of baseball and it was fantastic and and we're never going to have the time where a majority of young people are studying the intricacies of the sport. Unless, unless they're maybe particularly involved in that one sport. What do, you, what do you feel about that? Well, you know, as you were talking there, I was thinking, yeah, for sure, it's different. But, you know, like the analytics play such a, a role now that it's such a different way to look at the game. Like, like there's going to be an 82-game schedule if they do come up with one. And I was reading today about, well, how would people look at if uh, somebody hits 400? You know, Ted Williams was the last guy to do it. And Joey Votto from the Reds in 2016, the last 81 games of the year, he actually did hit 400. And they, so they asked him, and his quote was, no, 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 you know, it, it wouldn't mean the same. But I think, like, I see uh, younger people who are into the analytics and also into betting apps. And we know that, you know, the day sports, you know, back on what, March 11th, the day before, you know, it was legalized betting here. Well, all these different, uh, you know, betting apps where, you know, you could sit there and you're, you can build your own baseball team. It's, it's not like crack it open the newspaper and saying, all right, well, you know, let, let's look at the the uh, the batting average and, and home run and RBI <laughs> leaders. Now it's like, let me build my team on my analytics and let's see who let's go for war and let's go for you know any other stat than than batting average and, and RBIs that the those have been pushed aside. But yeah, l- let's go about it that way. And yeah, it's That's it's it's a different different way to look at it for sure. And of course, it it takes gambling to pique the interest so that a player wants to, uh, I mean, this, uh, a student of the game wants to, to study the analytics as it relates to, to gambling, as opposed to just the game itself, just the, the entity of baseball. Yeah, yeah, you got that right. So, so far the answers have been Jim Harbaugh and recruiting. And the question I've been asking everybody, David, and uh, I'll ask you is why Michigan can't beat Ohio State. Uh, I, I think people who reflectively say Harbaugh probably have an opinion that does not necessarily relate to how Harbaugh coaches his coaches and how Harbaugh coaches uh, his players and, and teaches his players. Because as a, as a coach of 18, 17, 18, 21-year-old kids, you're not just uh, creating a student athlete, you're creating a man, <laughs> helping and uh, and in, in, in um, as as a very prominent 
uh, teacher for these student athletes. I look at um, an interview that Rocco Spindler uh, gave recently when he's talking about his top five teams and growing up in Clarkston and his father obviously playing, <clears throat> Mark uh, playing uh, for Pitt and later for the Lions, uh, tearing his ACL, so he went in the second round. But here's a player who would you would think looking at the Clarkston community and pro-Michigan, pro-Michigan State, that <clears throat> you would think that Rocco would stay in state, but he's looking at Ohio State, he's looking at Notre Dame, and I believe LSU, in addition to Michigan and Michigan State. I think the culture at Ohio State, I think we have a crisis of culture that we don't really necessarily have insight to, um, both at Michigan and at Michigan State in one form or another. But I think the, the culture of winning, the culture of um, creating uh, young men um, who are focused on athletics and then focused on um, academics and um, the number of students that are coming out of student athletes that are coming out of Ohio State and going very high in the NFL draft. Um, this this excellent machine it continues to feed itself, and it's almost like that they have grown out of. Um, whatever form they took in the 80s and the 90s and took it to a different level, took it to the uh, level of an SEC um, team. And something has to change. It may be as simple as winning one game, but really it has to be more about winning championships. Um, and I, I don't think it's as simple as Harbaugh. I think it's, it's much deeper than that. And I don't necessarily have the insight but when you read Rock with Spindler's comments, it, it reflects people who look, have looked deeply into multiple programs. And there's definitely something there. What do, you, what do you think about that? Well, I think that you bring up a lot of fabulous points. I also think that this has been a great call and that the next time we do this as uh, an All-Star Saturday, I'm going to have to put in 20, 30 minutes because uh, I didn't get to the other 10 things that I wanted to talk about with you. So, David, uh, I, I would leave that there and, and leave it also with the uh, hope that you'll, you know, rejoin me uh, again and, and we can dive into what you do and all the different things that we talked about that we would get to. And, and you know, maybe the next time we'll actually have some sports to, you know, uh, sink our teeth into. Absolutely. Um, it was a pleasure and I uh, definitely uh, would love to return. Uh, football, Sam. Uh, my nine-year-old wants to say hello to you. What's up, Hi. Sam? Hi. What's up, man? Uh, your dad's doing a great job. And if he wanted to ever quit his day job, which I don't recommend, and get into radio, he could do it. And I recommend for you to follow his lead, not mine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, Dennis. Yeah. Have an awesome Super Saturday. Hey, you All too. Right. Thanks, David. All right. It's David in Birmingham. And we're going to take it to Birmingham and go to Ypsilanti, Michigan. Is there any other Ypsilantis? Ipsy. Home of my... Oh, that wasn't a, good, wasn't a good sign there when it kind of kicked over. Hello? Let's go to Mike and Ipsy. Hi, Mike. Well, <laughs> Well, I've been waiting a long time to hear that. Uh, high-octane Mike, who's uh, 
it's Mike at Ipsy, but you know, he's been high octane Mike for I don't know twenty years since I've known you, Mike, right? Uh, it's been pretty close to twenty years, Dennis. Um, you and you and your producer Mike Rickett gave me that nickname way back when because you knew I was a uh, a huge NASCAR fan, and somehow high octane Mike was adopted and. I'll be honest with you, it has stuck all through all these years. How you doing, my man? I'm doing great. It it fits so well, and actually, your your uh, your love of NASCAR does this week because uh, they actually have come back into and uh, are actually out there. We had a race what on Wednesday, and then last Saturday that people that haven't watched NASCAR in years were tuning in, and I'm sure you your eyes were uh, were on it. What did you think by watching it as uh, somebody who I know loves the sport so much, but then uh, you know had it you know, during this or coming out of this pandemic. Yeah, it was so good to see the cars back on the track, to see the drivers out there with all their intensity, um, you know, and still being able to do is what everybody should be doing, practicing the social distancing and staying safe. The competition was not affected at all by the lack of fans in the stands as well was witnessed with the, uh, the incident between Chase Elliott and Kyle Busch, and you know, it's just—it's great to see NASCAR back on, uh, back live, back racing. I mean, through all this stay-at-home stuff, I was enjoying watching the virtual racing, the iRacing that they had, where everybody was sitting at their computers and doing what they would, what they love to do, and that's and that's competing. It's it, it's good, it's good to have NASCAR back, Dennis. It's just—it's nice to see live sports again. And something to watch, especially as being a NASCAR fan. I just I was so happy to be able to watch it again. Yeah, well, and and it did pick up like right where it left off. You know, here's here's Bush getting into the back of Elliot, and you know, post race comments and everything else. It was like they never had left. Well, it was Bush being Bush. You know, that's um, <laughs> Bush being Bush. <laughs> that's right. It's just, you know, there's a lot of people that are Kyle Bush fans, and then there's a lot of people like myself, that are in, in a group of anybody but Bush. So that, that's kind of the way it is. But Kyle Bush will be Kyle Bush, and Chase Elliott is a, an outstanding talent in NASCAR, and I don't know if there will be any retribution come tomorrow when we go to the World 600 down there, at their, or the Coca-Cola 600 down there in Charlotte. But uh, if there is, there is, and if there isn't, well, I'm sure it will probably happen somewhere down the line at some point. You know, the, the virtual is interesting. You brought up the virtual racing. I remember a couple of years ago, back when I used to watch a sports center on Sunday mornings, I used to DVR and get up and I would watch it. I do sometimes during the football season, but it was one of these, I think they call it E60s that replaced one of their sports centers in the morning. And I was watching it and there was a kid who had never raced cars before. And this was open wheel, but he learned on a video game and he won some kind of tournament where there were not only he was cashing in with big money, but he had got to the level of so much where if you won, you were going to be able to then get into a race car. And he did that. And he parlayed that into his, his video game knowledge, actually then getting out on the track. I'm not sure if he's still it's overseas in, in open wheel racing. I'm not sure if he's still, you know, on the circuit or whatever else, but uh, I, I thought that was amazing. Or that it's, it's, you know, there's a lot of things. A lot of the drivers nowadays do their training and do their practice 
because there's such a lack of practice in the actual NASCAR and IndyCar circuits, they're going on their computers and things are so advanced technology-wise that you actually get the real feel and the real sense of driving a race car on a track, and you can do that through your computer. That's how far things have come, tech, you know, technology-wise. It's just it's amazing. You couldn't do that with a baseball. You couldn't sit on your computer and take batting practice. No. And I don't think you could uh, do that uh, in your computer with a football game and pretend to have Tom Brady or uh, Drew Brees throw you a pass because you can't simulate catching the pass. But you can do that with having a steering wheel and a screen in front of you on your computer when you're driving a race car. Yeah, I guess there's there's different elements in, in baseball with the analytics so much. Sometimes they, they go to guys that are able to, you know, look at the game on a grid and, and follow it that way that, that have never even seen a baseball game. And maybe like if you're an offense and defensive coordinator, some of the same ways, just looking at some of the data. But but not actually playing to your point. That's that was would be some other things. I wanted to ask you, you know, just while you were talking there, you're talking real life and whatever else. And I know, you know, you, you know, being an Ipsy there in one of my favorite places. But and we're all thinking about small businesses and what's going to happen. And, and you know, some of the stories about only half of them are going to be able to come back. But there's there's the old hot dog place there on Michigan Avenue, Bill's Hot Dogs. And <laughs> I'm hoping that I don't know could, this weekend or. June 13th, if they can open things up. But, you know, they're kind of a curbside place to begin with. So I'm guessing you know whether or not, you know, they've got the dogs rolling or not. The Dennis Bill's hot dog opens up as they always do. They're the first week in February. And as a matter of fact, I have been there probably three or four times already (laughs) this spring splash summer. And it's amazing. They have been busier than I have ever seen. The, the quality of what they serve is great. There's a few other places here in Ipsy, uh, uh, Gabriel Cheesesteak Hoagie out there on the far east side on Michigan Ave. They're still open, and they're serving up their cheesesteaks and their lunch meat specials. Uh, it's on a takeout-only basis. There's no dine-in, anything like that. Um, Hobbs is open. I saw that. Hobbs is open. They're doing carryouts daily. I've been there probably a half a dozen times with their, uh, they have a great thing going on actually on weekends where they call it their picnic and dinner. Mm. It's a quarter, uh, fried chicken and a half a slab of baby back ribs with some baked beans. And I've had that probably three or four times. It's awesome. There's a lot of places in Ipsy that are still open. Uh, Clucks is open and you can go in there and you can, order their, you know, their, their fine hamburgers and ham sandwiches and stuff. So yeah, things are rolling and Ipsy, things are going well. Well, I didn't know you'd go out to eat cause you're such, you know, the, you know, the, the chef, you know, throwing your own things together I, over the years. I've seen you, you know, put some, some pictures out of, of your own fare that you're throwing together. Well, and yeah, as soon as, uh, <laughs> I get done to having this discussion with you, as a matter of fact, I was out this morning and went to, one of my favorite little honey spots for fishing, and I brought home, oh, just short of two dozen bluegill and a couple of really nice bass. And so this afternoon, high-octane Mike's going to sit down and do some cleaning of some fish. And then later on this afternoon, myself and myself, we're going to have a little bit of fish fry. Fish fry with bluegill, huh? You better believe it. The uh, One of the sweet meats that God's put on this planet for us people in Michigan enjoy. You know, it's... Uh, I'm looking forward to it. As a matter of fact, I had so much fun fishing this morning with my best friend, Todd Grant, 
And I ended up with a few night crawlers left over. I think we might go out and go for round two tomorrow because there's nothing like having a nice bag of some frozen Michigan fish in your freezer when you get into the doldrums of winter and you can just say, well, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? Well, let's, let's just pull out some fish. Well, it sounds like a fine activity doing a Memorial weekend uh, in, in any year, in particular, you know, this year, getting out there and uh, and having a relaxing time on the water, which I like. Well, Mike, let me get to my, uh, my question that I've been asking everybody. We had uh, Dave in Ann Arbor, Jamil in Ann Arbor, David in Birmingham, and uh, now High Octane Mike in Ipsy. I've been asking everybody – why Michigan can't beat Ohio State. I know you're a Michigan fan. What do you tell your, your fellow Wolverine fans? What do you guys talk about on, on why Michigan can't get over the hump? It's a loaded question, Dennis. Um, I look at it as quarterback play, to be honest with you. The, since Jim Harbaugh has came into town, Jim Harbaugh hasn't groomed his quarterback. He's gone into the transfer portal and we've had numerous different quarterbacks that come in for one-year stints instead of having a guy that's been there since day one. I truly believe the guys that he's got in there right now, Joe Milton uh, and McCarthy and these guys, these are the guys that are the wave of the future for the Michigan football program. you got to have a quarterback that you groom instead of one you just bring in and play as, if you will, a substitute quarterback. We got all the other pieces together. Defense is great with Don Brown. Um, we got uh, quality, quality running backs, outstanding wide receivers, offensive line. You just had four of your guys that went into the NFL, and you got three guys that are returning this year that you can say are legitimate starters because they've had starting experience, but at the one – thing that they need is a quarterback. Well, I'll agree with you. I guess I'll have to disagree about, you know, Don Brown and, and great defense, but your point, that would be my number one thing I would look at as well. And it goes back even before Harbaugh, the quarterback position, when you see Ohio State's dominance, there's a lot of different things, but yeah, I think with Harbaugh, with, uh, with Jake Rudock and if would Spate got hurt against Iowa, you know, he was never the same after that. I know he toughed it out against OSU down there when, you know, Michigan could have won that game, but yeah, Shea Patterson, you know, things heading into last year, I was thinking, you know, if he can take a huge jump from where he was uh, in his first year, that that was going to be behind, to your point, that offensive line for, for U of M that looked like it was the best in, in a decade and a half, that was going to add up to some success. And then uh, I knew by game two or three, what Justin Fields was doing and how Michigan looked with their offense, that it, it, it just wasn't going to happen. But uh, I'm with you on Joe Milton or Dylan McCaffrey, whichever guy they end up picking there. Uh, both of those guys, um, you know, have been around and, and have seen the system here for a year or two. So uh, I, I do think that they have potential to uh, – can, can they match up with Fields? Yeah, I, I don't know, but they – they, they've got a, a hell of a lot of talent there. And, and you know, maybe you get uh, two years or so with one of these guys. Yeah, Mike, uh, hey, it's always uh, great talking with you. It's great having you on as an all-star. And I- I'm hoping you can be a return all-star sometime spring, summer, as we get, you know, sports rolling, hopefully. Well, Des, it'd be my pleasure. Um, 
I'm honored to come on with you. Whenever you need me, you got my number. I'm, I'm just a click away. Um, I just want to say thank you for allowing me to come on with you. I want to wish the best to you to, uh, to Marianne and, and Faith and Will. I hope everybody's doing good over there at the uh, fifth in compound. I, I, you know, just love you guys to death and keep up the good work. And, you know, you are one of the legendary voices of sports talk radio, of radio in general, I guess I could say wow. too, here in Southeastern Michigan. It's uh, always great to hear from you. You know, that's kind of been my mantra through the years. You and I started the afternoon thing and, and, you know, I've always done it as a tribute to you and to the great George Kell and to Howard King, the longtime voice of Michigan Stadium. So, Dennis, every time I get an opportunity to speak with you, it is definitely a very good afternoon. Well, thanks. And uh, Restrictor Plate and uh, the Kickstand, I remember those names too. So take care of yourself. <laughs> have a great uh, Memorial – have an enjoyable Memorial weekend. Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned Restrictor Plate. She's coming up on her one-year anniversary from her wedding from last year. And and my engine builder, he's uh, doing his thing, going to school. So, yeah, things are good here at the on Pitt Road at the High Octane on Compound. So, Dennis, it's a pleasure to speak with you. And anytime you want to get together and talk sports or talk anything in general, you know where I'm at, and it's my honor to be on with you. Well, thanks, Mike. Have a great day. There he is, uh, High Octane. Mike, who was out there on uh, the water grabbing some blue kill. That's good to do it here. All-Star Saturday. Hey, you want to get involved? Shoot me a, a, shoot me a DM. Give me a, yeah, I guess that's it, both on Twitter and Facebook. That's what you do. Direct message, get it done, or at me on Twitter. That's it. Hope you're uh, having an enjoyable Memorial weekend. And thanks for joining me. Thanks to all of our guests, who include High Octane Mike, David in Birmingham, Jamil, and Dave in Ann Arbor. Till next time, so long. Talk to you later. Bye.